it says, now faith, say now faith, is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, for by it, by now faith, the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand. See, with faith, it's not just blind, you understand some things. You see that? By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. Wow, that's power. That's deep right there. Man, you could hang out for a long time on that one. Verse 4, By faith Abel offered to God a more excellent, excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts. And through it, he being dead still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death. Pretty amazing, isn't it? Because of his faith. Wow. And was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. Verse 6, but without faith, there it is. It's impossible to please, uh, to please, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Now go back with me to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13, verses 44 through 45. Oh, my, my, my. Jesus is doing the speaking right here. The words are in red. So... Pay attention. Pay attention to the whole Word of God, though. Amen? Here we go. Matthew 13, 44 through 45. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid. And for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking Beautiful pearls, who when he had found one pearl of great, great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Man, the kingdom of God is precious. Amen? We got to get our thoughts in line with the word. Amen? Nothing in this world will satisfy you like the kingdom of God. Now, many Christians throw the word faith around. In the body of Christ and in the minds of many, it's become a word that's been watered down. And and believe it or not, some Christians even despise the word faith. They hear that word and immediately a wall goes up. Faith, oh, faith, right? But how can you take away? It took faith to get you saved. Are you hearing me? See, now the word of God talks about three kinds of faith. All right. Number one, it talks about your personal faith. Number two, it talks about the faith or the Christian belief or Christian religion, right? And number three, the Word of God talks about a, the supernatural gift of faith. I like to call it faith in overdrive with the help of the Holy Spirit. So today I want to focus on our personal faith. See, the amount of faith that you and I possess as a Christian is 100% up to us. It's not up to anybody else. Take your finger right now, just kind of point it like this, and then put it back on yourself. That is you. See, the amount that you possess in your personal faith 
is 100% up to you. It's up to me. And God has given every human being the measure of faith. What does that mean? The Bible says he's given us a measure. He has given us the ability. Say ability. Ability. He's given us the ability to have faith. Isn't that good? But the amount of faith in our personal faith is up to us. Nobody else. Say it falls on me. me. All right. Romans 10, 17 says that faith, personal faith, comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now, the Holy Spirit, when I read this, for some reason, you know, you read this verse so many times, right, as a Christian. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God, right? We just kind of read over it. We speed right by it. But the Holy Spirit this time, all right, I I mean, I've been a Christian a long time, right? What, 23 years now? And this one time, this kind of jumped in my spirit. You ready for this? Many times our spiritual walk goes up and down, right? And it's in direct proportion to how much we read, feed, and hear the Word of God. All right? You, you, know, you know what I'm saying, right? The walk kind of goes up and down. And, and how much we retain of the Word of God in our thought life depends where we're at. See, that's why it goes like this. Oh, many times, Christians are living like this, right? You're just kind of riding this thing this way. And the reason is because we fail to retain the Word in our thought life. That's why the Word of God says, forget not. Keep it in front of you at all times. Because when you don't, you're going to forget about it. All right? So, you know, a lot of times we're given place to distraction in our life. Man, distractions, they're terrible. Distractions will derail you on your walk with God. But here's what the Holy Spirit showed me. I want you to notice it says that faith comes. All right? So here's what it is. If faith can come, faith can leave. Oh, my. See, it's not, you you know, like someone who hears a a verse, uh, you know, again. They'll say, oh, I I know that. I already heard that before. Oh, yeah, but you've got to keep feeding yourself because faith comes, but it also means it can leave and go. Ah, man, for some reason, that just stood out to me in this message. So our faith level needs to be maintained. It needs to not just be maintained, but it needs to increase on a daily basis, okay? Now, you should have, we should have, as Christians, in our perfect walk with the Lord, God's perfect will is this, that we should, as we get older in the faith, we should have more faith, more trust in our Heavenly Father than we did when we first got born again. Are you following me? And if it's not, you have moved in the wrong direction in your life. Something derailed you. Something went off. There is a short in the circuit somewhere. See, it's like your relationship with your spouse, right? In a marriage, your love, your intimacy, your commitment to them, it should be getting stronger as you go on with time. And if it didn't, if it hasn't, There's a problem if it hasn't. You've moved in the wrong direction and there's something that needs to be corrected in that relationship or in your walk with God. Amen? So the Holy Spirit revealed to me that there are times in our walk when we are hearing or reading the Word of God that many times uh, uh, faith rises up in a person to make a change in their life. 
right? That's how someone gets born again. Someone comes, you know, either on the street, you're ministering to someone, or someone comes to a church service, they hear about Jesus, they hear about salvation, and all of a sudden, something spikes on the inside of them, like, wow, now it starts to make sense. There's like a revelation that comes about that thing. Are you following me? The Holy Spirit said we need to take advantage of those moments when that faith spikes like that, when that revelation comes. Don't miss this now. Don't miss this. There are times, let me say it again, when inspiration comes that the Holy Spirit is saying you, He's prompting you to respond to a message. And we need to take advantage of it because if those moments, say moments, If they are constantly ignored in our walk with God, that is when we get to the point of grieving the Holy Spirit. We don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. Just like you can be grieved, the Holy Spirit can be grieved. The Holy Spirit has emotions. So when that wave of revelation or that wave of faith comes, we need to respond because he's not telling you to do it for no reason. There's a blessing attached to it. And that opportunity might not come again to ride that revelation wave. Ooh, this is some good preaching right here. Listen, an example, I I talked about salvation. That's one, but how about in the area of giving? This is a common one in Christians, right? The area of giving. You're reading in your devotions, and it's talking about the blessing of giving to the poor, giving of alms, you know, given offerings, and, and all of a sudden, a desire rises up and the Holy Spirit says, well, I want you to give to this organization. I want you to, whatever, I want you to go to the store and buy someone's groceries in line in the store, right? All right, so something like that pops up and then all of a sudden you don't obey that prompting. So then the Holy Spirit has to go to someone else, knock on someone else's heart. Listen, the job's going to get done, but you just passed up a blessing. And you grieved the Holy Spirit. Alright? So, just know, don't miss out on those opportunities because they have blessings attached to them. Uh, they're a divine appointment in your life. Alright? Don't, don't, what the Bible says, don't harden your heart. Don't harden your heart. See, obedience to the Word of God, which is obedience to the Holy Spirit, there will always be a blessing attached to it. It's, it, it now, listen to this. Here's an oxymoron for you. A faithless Christian. Right? It's possible to be a faithless Christian. Now, that's when a person, they're saved. They believe that Jesus is the Christ. They believe he died on the cross, right? They believe believe all, all the basics and stuff. But it ends right there. It ends right there. And those Christians end up rejecting many of the benefits of the new covenant, this new and better covenant, by the way, than the Old Testament. All right? So our Heavenly Father has so much more for us as Christians. And, and you know, many people think that just the salvation experience, that's it. That's, that's done. Boy, okay, now i got to take whatever the world and the devil throw at me, and I'm done. But the truth of the matter is this. Come on. The truth is this. You don't have to put up with it. Salvation, when you made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, that's just the beginning. That's you opening the door. Now walk through that door and start to experience the new covenant. So today I want to talk about, listen to this, possessing a faith 
that creates breakthrough. Possessing a faith that creates results in your life. Not just this shallow thing of, oh, yeah, I believe, blah, blah, blah. No, 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 no. We need breakthrough in our life. And didn't we just sing, we sang a song about breakthrough, didn't we? Right? This is what I'm saying. The Holy Spirit set this whole thing up. So, you know, when the music is lining up, then it's like, okay, yeah, I heard from the Holy Ghost for today's service. Right? I love it. It's great. So I want to talk about a few key points that the Holy Spirit gave me that will strengthen your faith level to the point of breaking through. Breaking through that shallowness that many people just resort to. I don't know about you, but I want to swim. I just don't want to put my feet in the water. I want to swim. I want to go out into the deep waters. Amen. Come on. So for many, this is the thing. For many, it's not a huge change that needs to take place in their walk with God or, or in their thought life. But it's, it's like just little tweaks that need to be done. Are you following me? Just little tweaks. They love the Lord, you know, and all that. But there's just some little things that you need, need to tweak. You've got to know this. If the devil can't stop you from becoming born again, which he cannot, all right, he wants you to live a defeated life on this earth. He wants to keep us blinded from the benefits of the new covenant. All right? He wants to make your life miserable. The psalmist said in Psalm 103, I just preached it last week. He said, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. All of his benefits. It's not just one. It's not just we're going to go to heaven one day. No, we are to advance the kingdom of God on this earth. And the kingdom of God as a Christian abides in you. Now the problem is, now we got to tweak some things in your thought life that's going to cause you to take it from here and release it out there. We need breakthrough. Say breakthrough. So let's get in to the key points that the Holy Spirit gave me that will strengthen your faith and create a breakthrough kind of a faith on the inside of you. All right. The first key to create break the breakthrough kind of faith on the inside of you is to count yourself, to see yourself dead to sin. Come on. I'm telling you, these points, you may have never thought of these points in connection to faith, but these are powerful. This is what the Holy Spirit wants us all to zoom in on today. We need to count ourselves to be dead to sin. One of the main enemies to walking in strong breakthrough, breakthrough faith is living a life of habitual sin. All right? It will absolutely wreck your confidence in your walk with God. The Word of God says that if you are going to live in habitual sin, it says that God, listen, God's not going to condemn you. It says your own heart's going to condemn you. Now, what I mean, God's not going to condemn you. He's not pleased with it. But guess what? However far you walk away from Him, all you got to do is turn around and He's right there to take you back. Right? So God doesn't condemn you. He's waiting for you to turn around and repent of that thing. Are you following me? But it says that our, catch this, our own heart will condemn us. So then we will not be able to go to the throne of grace with boldness. And that hinders our faith. Oh, come on, somebody. This is, this is, this is, this is breakthrough stuff right here. This, if you will take hold of these points, it will strengthen your faith and you will break through. 
But sin will blind you spiritually. It will make you spiritually, spiritually deaf in your life as a Christian. See, living a holy life will cause your faith to be strong. Because when you're in fellowship, when you're in right fellowship, when you're living that holy life with God, it does, it builds a confidence. Right? Oh, I'm telling you, sin will take you down a road that you don't want to go. Go to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. I'm talking about breakthrough faith. Faith that will produce results. Not just a belief, but we want results in our Christian life. Amen? Amen. Romans 6, 1 through 11. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Because a lot of Christians believe that, believe it or not. What What does the word say? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. See, we are not slaves to sin. We are slaves to righteousness, living for God. Come on. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the, for the death that he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise... You also reckon, underline that word, reckon, reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. I know that's a, a handful there, but let me break it down for you. This entire passage is dealing with how a Christian should look at sin in their life. It's talking about our thought life. Listen to me. It's talking about our thought life in connection to sin. Now, we are to consider ourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God through Jesus Christ. So anytime, so if we're going to consider ourselves, that's always talking about our thought life. How do you view sin? Right? How do you see yourself? We'll talk about that in a moment. Start seeing sin for what it is. Here's what it is. It's spiritual poison. It is, a, it is separating mankind from God. It's destroying the human race right now. It's deceiving. We've got to get a proper perspective of what this really is. Sin means this, missing the mark. All right? Now, the Word of God says there is pleasure in sin for a season. Because there's payday that comes. There's always consequences for sin. There's that old saying, your sin will find you out. 
I mean, that's, that's some real stuff right there. All right. So sin is what made Jesus have to go, you know, get beaten to death with stripes. Sin is what made Jesus go to a bloody cross. There is nothing good about sin. So if you want breakthrough faith operating on the inside of you, you need to see sin for what it really is. It's evil and dangerous in your life. See, the Word of God talks about the fear of the Lord. You ever heard of the fear of the Lord before? That's a whole other message on its own, which I will be getting to eventually. But fear of the Lord is basically reverence toward Him. Like counting Him greater than the pleasures of sin for a season. All right? We need more fear of the Lord in our life. A reverence, an awe toward Him. See, the, the fear of the Lord will... How do you know if you're walking in the fear of the Lord? Because you'll take this verse seriously. Be ye holy, for I am holy. See? If you are counting, listen to me, you are counting the things of this world greater than the kingdom of God and in pleasing your heavenly Father, you are not dead to sin. You are not dead to this world system. You know where you're keeping it alive? Right here in the thought life. What are you thinking about? That's what it comes down to. Reckon yourselves. Consider yourselves dead to sin. Oh, no. Listen. A person is died doesn't feed fleshly desires anymore. Are you following me? See, the Word says when you made Jesus Christ Lord of your life, it says that we are dead to sin. We are to reckon ourselves, consider ourselves dead to sin. In other words, you know, here's the deal. You didn't commit one sin in your life. I haven't committed one sin in my life. That first didn't go through my thought life first. So in other words, what are you meditating on? See, if you don't meditate on that fleshly sinful thing, you're not going to gravitate toward that thing. Are you following me now? Consider, reckon yourself dead to sin. I'm telling you, when you start living that life that's pleasing to God, right? And you get up in the morning and you just know your heart is open and right before God. There's no hidden sin. First of all, nothing's hidden from God. You can hide it from pastor. You can hide it from all of us. But you can't hide it from God. And guess who else you can't hide it from? Yourself. That's why we got a bunch of miserable... Not in the church, I mean in general. That's why we have a bunch of miserable Christians walking around in the body of Christ. You want to know why? Because they're not reckoning themselves dead to sin. They're walking in sin. And they're miserable. If you're living in sin after you tasted of the good word of God. Come on, somebody. After you felt, when you first got born again, when you came to Jesus, that feeling of, wow, there's freedom, I feel cleansed, man, I feel good. But in the course of time, you started to let your thought life go, get out of control, right? You started to let your thought life go out of control. Then you started gravitating toward these worldly things, toward these sinful things. And now you're miserable. And you might not even know why you're miserable, but I'm telling you why you're miserable. Because you once tasted of the heavenly gift, and now you're feeding into the flesh and the worldliness. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. And, and, and the Word says that our own heart condemns us. It just, you, you won't feel right. We were created, come on, we were created to be in fellowship with our Heavenly Father. That's why Jesus died. To take away that enmity so we could be reconnected with our Heavenly Father through Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. 
So the Word of God is telling us to reckon or consider yourself or consider yourself in your thought light disconnected. Come on. Disconnected from the flesh. Disconnected from sin. In the place that it happens, that that switch on the inside, right? Depending on what train track you're going to go. What switch? Where are we going today? Happens right here in the thought life. My goodness. You, you cannot talk about the Christian life without dealing with the thought life. And that's why the enemy fights it so hard. See, we are called and expected, as it said here, to walk in a newness of life. You know what that, that's telling me? That we're not supposed to partake in the junk that we're involved in before coming to Christ. It's new. All things become new in Christ. Are you following me? We need to walk in that newness of life. We are called to walk in that newness of life. And that is why the salvation experience, listen to me, that's why the salvation experience is called the born again experience. Now, the word born refers to life. The word again refers to new. New life. We are supposed to walk in newness of life. Now, here's the nice thing. Here's the great thing about it. If you got breath in your lungs, if you're hearing me today, If you're watching online right now, listen, if you're breathing today, you can just confess your sin and say, Lord, I am sorry for being involved in this. And you can start brand new right now. Isn't that beautiful? You don't have to stay in the pig pen of your mess. I love that. That's the grace of God. He's always there to take you back. So get over the devil's stuff. All right. The devil's stuff. And the sin you were involved with before getting saved, it should not be part of your new life now. There should be, here's what it is. This is what it, there should be evidence of that heart change on the inside of you. Amen? If there's, if there's a true heart change, it will always affect your actions. The heart. See, your actions always go through the filter of your heart first. Like I said, you haven't done one sin that didn't first go through the filter of your thought life. All right, And you, you either stopped yourself from doing that thing or you gave your permission to do that thing. It happens right here up in the thought life. All right, Now, here's I want to deal with this. Ready for this sacred cow? Ready? Let's pull out some tarps and kill this sacred cow right here. Many Christians still, and I mentioned this before, but many Christians still, still refer to themselves as a sinner. Well, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Wrong, sir. Wrong, ma'am. Come on. You were a sinner, now you're saved by grace, and now you're a saint. Now, here's what I'm going to go in this. Follow me now, all right? So, many Christians are walking around with an identity crisis. That, my friend, is an identity crisis. You, if you are born again, you are not a sinner anymore. Now, here, let's, let's get deeper into this. So, we got to deal with this. If you want to have breakthrough faith, you got to heal this identity crisis. See, the enemy's always trying to come in and trying to mess with your identity because he knows the power of you knowing who you are in Christ. He's always trying to mess with your identity. All right? Now, Proverbs 23, 7. As a man thinks, so is he. Or as a person thinks, so are they. Right? So that Christian that thinks they're a sinner ends up fulfilling that identity they think they are. Right here. We're all in the thought life. Come on, somebody. If you see yourself, listen, 
If you see yourself as a saint, cleansed by the blood of Jesus, dead to sin, come on, disconnected from sin, but alive unto God, you will be empowered to overcome sin and not operate in it. See, now let's talk about this. People are saying, well, what do you mean? Well, I mean, I, I, I have sinned, I sin, right? Okay, sinner, saint, okay? This refers to the sin nature in our spirit, man. It, it, you're a saint. Doesn't mean you're never going to sin again, okay? I'm not saying that. What it refers to is your sin nature. When you come to Christ and become born again, you get a new nature on the inside. See, before you come to Christ, all you want to do is sin. All you want to do is junk, right? But when you make Jesus Lord of your life, come on, testify someone. When you make Jesus Lord of your life, you want to do some different things, right? Maybe you didn't want to hang out with the same people as you're used to before you were saved. Maybe, you know, with the, the music you've been listening to, all that demonic music you're listening to, you know, just now, it just doesn't do anything for me. That's the heart change. And that's where a sinner and a saint are different. All right? The Bible says that as a Christian, if you sin, we do have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ. And we confess our sin. And God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin. So don't get me wrong. I'm not saying you will never sin in your life. But it better not be a habitual sin here. You need to, if there's something habitual going on, we need, we need something. We need to break something, right? I mean, we need to, there's a short in the system somewhere. Amen? That's why just, just someone, you know, tricking them into praying a sinner's prayer. <laughs> it's not about that. They're because people can say words and it doesn't get to the heart, right? You got to know, are you born again? You know, some Christians, you'll ask a Christian, some Christians say, well, are you born again? Oh, I'm not born again, but I'm a Christian. Well, no, you're not because Jesus said you must be born again to be a Christian. You got to be. There's got to be a, a nature transfer. There needs to be a shift in your heart. If there's no shift, there's no change. Now, um, <clears throat> so listen to this. When you call and view yourself a sinner, you are, listen to this. If you call and think of yourself as a sinner, as a Christian, you are calling yourself dead unto righteousness and alive unto sin. The Holy Spirit showed me this. Listen to me. But when you call and view yourself as a saint, a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you are calling yourself dead unto sin, but alive unto righteousness. Are you, are you seeing how, It's all right here. Just take your fingers and just go like this. Because it's so important. Right here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all in the thought life. Right here. That's why the Bible says in Romans 12 too, don't be conformed to this world system, but be transformed. Come on. Let's change some things. So when you get born again, the sin nature changes in your spirit, man. But now we have a problem, man. Now, now we have an issue. Now we got to change that thought life on the inside. Because now the thought life is the point that determines if you're going to go in the way of flesh or if you're going to let your born again spirit take over. See, you're born, it says the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. You ever found that out yet? Man, the flesh stinks, doesn't it? But your spirit, man. Man, if you can walk in the Spirit, you know, that's why praying in tongues is so important. That's why reading the Word is so important. That's why praying to your Heavenly Father is so important. Because it keeps you in a spiritual mindset. It keeps your spirit, man, as the captain of your life. Oh, come on. Now, um, so when we get our thought life straightened out and aligned with the Word of God, 
about our identity of who we are in Christ, you're on your way to possess a powerful breakthrough kind of faith. Now go to Romans chapter 8. Real quick here. I want to look at verses 1 through 8 of Romans chapter 8. This is a powerful uh, verse as well in connection to to sin and walking in in righteousness. And and, uh, I just want to read it real quick here. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Many people stop right there. (laughs) Look at it. Keep going. There's a comma there. Who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. All right. That's why the devil wants to keep you in the flesh. Because if you're going to walk in the flesh as a Christian, you're no good to the kingdom of God. Are you following me? You are no good for the kingdom of God. That's why the enemy attacks your thought life. He wants to keep you in the flesh. Verse 2, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Again, this is all in the thought life. This is how we need to perceive these things. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness likeness of sinful flesh. See, Jesus was sinless, sinless, but He was in the flesh, and He took our sin up on the cross. Come on, somebody. In the likeness of sinful flesh, on the account of sin, He condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Now, thank God, we don't have to go around sacrificing animals all the time. Are you following me? That's what Jesus did away with. Some people think, oh, well, we don't have to live holy, right? We, all we got to do is just say a sinner's prayer and we're good. Wrong. Jesus, the moral law is still active. But we don't have to slay some cows. We don't have to do uh, slay a lamb. Are you hearing me? For those who live according to the flesh, here it is, set their minds on the things of the flesh. The Holy Ghost just gave us a huge key right there. The reason you're backsliding is because you're thinking about the wrong thing. But those who live according to the Spirit, your mind is set, is what it's saying, on the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death or separation from God. If you're, you're a Christian, you got born again a long time ago, but man, you feel like, you feel like when you pray, your, your prayers are just hitting the ceiling and bouncing back down on you. Are you hearing me? It's because you're carnally minded. You're thinking about the wrong things. You disconnected in your walk with God. Not that God left. You disconnected yourself. Come on, somebody. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace because the carnal mind is enmity or an enemy against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. Here it is. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. That entire passage is dealing with the thought life in connection to the flesh and the things of the Spirit. Now, let's move on. The next key about creating a breakthrough kind of a faith on the inside of you, I kind of touched on it, but I want to go a little bit deeper in another element with it. The next key to creating a breakthrough kind of a faith is to count yourself to be dead to this world, the sinfulness of the world, and to keep yourself in the love of God. 
Now go with me to 1 John. I want to show you something that maybe you've never seen or thought of before. Well, that's what I'm here for, right? That's my job. Come on, somebody. Let's pull some different different areas out. Let's, let's climb up the other side of the mountain and look at a topic from another side that maybe you haven't seen before. All right, 1 John 5, 1 through 5, let's take a look at. So if we're going to have breakthrough faith, you need to count yourself dead to this world. All right, Satan is the god of this world system, right? And we need to keep ourselves in the love of God. Here we go. 1 John 5, 1 through 5. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves him who begat who begot also loves him who is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God. Man, here it is. For this is the love of God. It's about ready to give us a definition. You ready here? That we keep his commandments. Wow. Well, that's a little twisted view from what some Christians preach about the love of God, isn't it? (laughs) And his commandments are not burdensome. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world, but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Now look at verses 3 through 5. Everyone that throws around the phrase love of God, uh, there's many people that throw around the phrase the love of God as if it's just something that we, we just accept everything that the world throws at us, right? Come on, we got to love, right? Come on, the love of God. We just got to accept everything that they throw at us. Wrong. Wrong. All right. So, ex- it, like they, they want to receive everything, you know, that is unholy in this world system. People really do have a twisted view on the topic of the love of God, all right? The love of God is that we keep his commandments. Jesus said in the book of John, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Now, here's the deal. So it's our responsible uh, re- responsibility to keep ourselves in the love of God. All right. Now, this doesn't mean that God doesn't love us. All right. Here, let me drop something on you right now. God loves all the people that are in hell right now, but they're still in hell. Are you following me, somebody? God loves them. And God, it's the will of God that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So God loves even the, those people who went to hell. But listen, if they, if, if they weren't going to accept God's way through Jesus of taking their sin away, then they pay for their sin on their own. So you've got a choice to make in your life. Do you want to pay for your own sin? Or are you going to accept the free gift of salvation through Jesus Christ? Are you following me? But it says to, that we need to keep ourselves in the love of God. We are responsible. So we know that God loves us. Let's just, right, we know this, right? God loves everyone. God loves, God loves gay people, right? God loves them. He, he loves them, he, but he, he, he will love them all the way to hell because they have a free will, whether they're going to make Jesus Lord of their life and live for him or if they're going to do their own thing. Are you following me? 
So we are responsible to keep ourselves, listen, within the boundaries of his love, within the boundaries of his protection, within the boundaries of God's territory. And if we aren't keeping his commands, we willingly place ourselves on the enemy's territory. Are you following me? So that's why the Bible says, keep yourselves in the love of God. Keep yourself on the track of the love of God. Keep yourself in the will of God for your life. Amen? And then it goes on to say, here we go, that his commandments are not burdensome to us. That we actually find comfort, we find peace, and we find joy in obeying the word of God. You following that? Man, I mean, that is powerful. The psalmist said, he said, your law, your commands are my delight. See, how do you know if your heart is right toward God? Because you will not have a negative view toward His words. You will not have a negative view about living a holy life. Come on, somebody. You will literally find joy and delight in it. Now, when delight and joy manifest in your heart toward obeying the Word of God, you are on course to have breakthrough kind of faith in your life. Verse 4 says this, whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Now, I want you to notice now that this passage talks about us keeping ourselves in the love of God. You, You following me? And then it goes on to say that our faith is what overcomes the world. Those two things are directly linking The faith that we have with our actions. You can't separate your faith from your actions. Are you hearing me, somebody? Faith without works is dead. Oh, but I love God. I love God. Oh, let me look at some more pornography. Are you following me? Oh, I love God, but... uh, Turn on Marilyn Manson. I want to hear that music. Are you following me, somebody? Oh, I love God, but... Mm-mm. Nope, nope, nope. Faith without works is dead. It's directly linking that. We are to be what the Bible calls doers of the word and not hearers only. Go with me to James chapter 1. I want to show you something here. You getting anything out of this today? Y'all breathing out there? All right, great. Here we go. James 1, 14 through 20. I know, I know, get, listen. A lot of people, they don't like to hear about the sin thing. I know we're living in a culture that doesn't want to hear about it. But you know what? I wouldn't be doing my job as a pastor if I wasn't throwing warnings out. We got to know. We got If you want breakthrough faith, and, and I, that's my goal. I want to lead you guys into an experience where you're taking advantage of everything God has for you. And you're not going to do it without a proper perspective about sin. All right? Now, for, uh, James chapter 1. Verses 14 through 20 here. James 1, 14 through 20. There there it is. Um, Here it goes. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when these... Now notice, you can't be drawn away from a desire unless it's in your thought life. Then when desire has... There it is, conceived. Where? Right here, thought life. It gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death, separation from God. 
Do not be deceived, my brethren. Every good and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Of his own will he brought forth his Son uh, by the word of truth, that he might be a kind of firstfruits of his creatures. Uh, let's see, here we go. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, well, let me keep going. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. There it is, verse 22. But be doers of the word and not hearers only. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing, observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. Now, the, I talked about last week, the word of God, the word of God is a mirror. When you're reading the word, it's showing who you are spiritually. And that's why it says, when you walk away from the Word, when you fail to keep it in your thought life, you walk away forgetting who you are. That's when you can start to stray from the Lord. All right? So we need faith manifesting in actions. We need what's called a living faith opposed to dead faith. Amen? See, here's the, here's the thing. Demons even believe the Word of God. You know that? Satan and demons evil. They believe the word of God, but was, and they currently are, they are rebellious against God. So you can see it's not faith only because the enemy believes. What's the, what separates us from the enemy? We actually are doers of the word. Come on, somebody. See, if you're just believing the Lord and not being a doer, okay, you rank up there with Satan and demons. <laughs> That's kind of a smelling salts under the nose, right? We are commanded to obey God and His Word. Look at Psalm 84. I want to show you something here. Psalm 84. This is a powerful verse here. <laughs> it was funny because when I was um, working on my message, um, I just took a quick break and I was just kind of scrolling through Facebook. And I was at this point in my message and trying to think of, ah, you know what, you know, Lord, where do you want me to go? What verse do you want me to put in here? And all of a sudden, this verse was, someone posted this verse on Facebook, so it fit perfectly. Look at this, Psalm 84, verses 10 through 12. And it says, For a day in your courts are better than a thousand. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. See, that's the perspective we need. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. Here it is. This is what I want you to get right here. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Isn't that powerful? No good thing will your heavenly Father hold back from those who walk uprightly, who take pleasure in his commands, who want to be holy because he is holy. Now, we could just stop it right here on that, right? Just kind of move on to the next point. But here's what I want to point out. If this is true, the opposite is true. Let's read it in reverse. He will withhold good things from those who do not walk uprightly. Have you, I mean, have you ever done that with a verse? You read it, but then you kind of read it in the other context. He will withhold things from you. 
not walking and living uprightly. So you tell me, is living holy important to God? You bet it is. All right. So if you want the breakthrough kind of faith, you need to live a holy life that is set apart and pleasing to God and keep yourself in the love of God. All right. The last point. Here we go. We're moving on through. The next key to creating breakthrough kind of faith is to understand the spiritual reality that you and I sit with Jesus Christ in heavenly places. Man, I'll tell you, if you will take hold of this revelation that I'm going to share with you here, this will rock your faith. This will, this will grow your faith like never before. And I want to emphasize that this is a spiritual reality sitting with Christ in heavenly places. This isn't some, some just symbolism or worldly poetic language. All right? You need to understand this is a fact in the spirit realm. And the enemy knows it. Unfortunately, the enemy knows it better than many Christians know it. Go to Ephesians chapter 2 as I bring this thing home. Hallelujah. Praise God. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. And it says these words, And you, say me, he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked in. Notice it says once walked in. We're expected not to walk with how we walked before we came to Christ. You follow me? You once walked in according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh. Notice how it's always past tense it's talking about. Are you seeing that? Past tense. Why? Because we're expected to live holy, fulfilling the desires of the flesh. And of the mind. And we're by nature children of wrath, just as others. But God, say, but God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love in which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you've been saved through by faith and raised us up together, made us sit together with uh, together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in the kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Here's where a lot of Christians twist this one. Here we go. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. Right? You hear that a lot, right? I'll get I'll get it. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So not of works. Hey, Pastor James, it's not of works. What are you talking about? No, this is saying this. There is nothing mankind could have done without Jesus Christ. Amen. There's nothing we could have done. Because when Jesus came to die, mankind was cursing God. Mankind hated God. This is not... See, here's the deal. We're not saved by... So if someone has not made Jesus Lord of their life, you can do all the good works you will ever do. Man, you can do such good works and still go to hell. So your faith is... Or your salvation is based on faith in Christ. But don't kid yourself. You are expected... Say, I'm expected... expected. To live holy. 
We are. It's just a fact, Jack, right? All right, so if you are going to operate in breakthrough faith in your life and get results, you need to keep this spiritual reality in your thought life on a continual basis. We do sit with Christ in heavenly places. We have the same Holy Spirit. We have the same authority. We have the same power that Jesus had when he walked on this earth. That is our spiritual identity in Christ. Man, if you take hold of that, the enemy will just go nuts. He get that you want to put the enemy to fear? You know, a lot of times, you know, we always talk about the enemy making us fear. Well, you know how to put the enemy in fear? Don't have an identity crisis on the inside of you and start walking with who you are in Christ. That will make the devil fearful. Put the fear back on the enemy. Are you hearing me? Now, here's what's so powerful about sitting with Jesus in heavenly places. The Holy Spirit wanted me to share this point in connection to breakthrough faith. How do we know when we are walking and living in that mindset? How do you know when you are truly keeping that that spiritual reality in your thought life? Do you want to know? All right, here we go. The Holy Spirit showed me this. It will be manifested through the perspectives of the situations you encounter. Your pers- yep, come on, someone's getting this. Your perspective on situations when you encounter them will determine if you are truly keeping that fact in your thought life. Perspective is a powerful thing because two people can see and experience the same thing but have two totally different perspectives on that situation. Now, this is powerful. It's like saying this. Do you see the glass half full or half empty in your life? Come on, somebody. When you are faced with a negative situation, force your thought life. Come on, here, listen to me. Force your thought life to go back to sitting in that heavenly place with Jesus. Now, here's what I want to show you. Here's what I want to show you. When you're standing on a sidewalk, if you go to Chicago, New York City, a big city with skyscrapers, if you go... And you stand next to a skyscraper. You ever done that before? You're on the sidewalk right next to it, and you look up, and you're like, man, that thing is huge, right? But you know what? When I was a pilot, I'd fly over these big cities at 36,000 feet, and that same skyscraper that I was standing next to that looked so huge, now it looks like this from 36,000 feet. Your perspective. You know you have the perspective of sitting with Christ in heavenly places when you see your problem, that negative circumstance, from heaven's perspective and not an earthly perspective. Are you following me? That's when you know. Man, you know you're walking it. Now, if 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 you have a negative situation coming to you, Right? We all do. The initial response, the flesh, fleshly response is this. Oh my, that's huge. That's when you've got to force yourself to go back up. Say, no, I'm going to get into the Word. I'm going to find Scriptures in the Word. That's going to show me God's perspective. Because I sit with Christ in heavenly places. Well, I don't care what it is. Is it cancer? Is it a sickness? Is it a death sentence? Whatever it is, I don't care. You need to view it from that 36,000 feet and not from in the earthly plane. Come on, somebody. Viewing everything from a natural earthly level will only cause discouragement and defeat in your life. Have you found that out yet? I'm on the last page. 
The Holy Spirit said this. Here's, this is what's so powerful about this message today in these points. He said, if my people would view every situation from that heavenly perspective, they will begin to see breakthroughs. They will begin to see miracles and answer to prayer on a regular basis. The problem is this. We keep ourselves on a natural earthly plane looking at our issues. And God's saying this, come up higher. Come up higher. Come on, somebody. You're only at 10 feet right now. Come up with me to 36,000 feet right now and take a look at this. And now you tell me, this is God saying it to us. Now you tell me, how does that problem, how does that situation look? Very small. But the devil wants, see, this is what happens. The devil wants you to fall into the flesh. So then that situation, that circumstance looks so huge. Oh, I can't overcome this thing. Oh, that doctor's report. I can't overcome this thing. Come up higher, God says. Come up. Come up higher. Maintaining a heavenly perspective is so powerful because it keeps this in your thought life. You ready for this? That we operate in a kingdom that cannot be shaken. In fact, the kingdom of God is what does the shaking. Are you following me? See, if something's coming to you and trying to shake you, no, 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 no. You need to get back in the kingdom mindset. Be, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Are you hearing me? Everything that can be shaken, everything that is not from God will be shaking. Shaken when we take our, plate, when we take our place of authority as in the body of Christ. Sickness, disease, infirmities, bondage, and other attacks from the devil are no match for the kingdom of God. Come on, somebody. No match for a born-again believer that literally sees themselves sitting with Christ in heavenly places. I'm telling you right now, this is a key. Please, many times our defeat happens right here in our thought life. See, this is a fact. We sit, we sit with Christ in heavenly places, but we need to walk in the experience, the experience of it. And that takes place. You've got to know who you are in your thought life. Perspective is powerful. The proper perspective will release the supernatural power of God in your life. Like I talked about last week, the 12 spies, right? They went into the land of Canaan. God gave them the land, but God sent the spies in. And 12 went in, but only two came back with a good report. 10 came back, said, we can't do this. What's going on? I've seen giants in the land. Joshua and Caleb said, we can take this. Are you following me? Perspective. Get your perspective right. Put your Holy Ghost goggles on. Come on, somebody. Get into the Word of God. Amen? We need to meditate on the Word of God and begin to see things from the upper room. Heavenly perspective. In my last point right here, if you will consider yourself dead to sin, you will consider yourself dead to the evil in this world and alive unto righteousness, and you will take hold of the spiritual reality that you sit with Jesus Christ in heavenly places, you will begin to walk in a faith that creates breakthrough, that creates results in every area of your life. Let's stand up in this place. Hallelujah. Father God, we thank you for breakthrough kind of a faith that no weapon formed against us shall prosper. You know what the Lord said? I, I was walking around praying in my house this week, and I, and, I, and I said that verse. I said, no weapon formed against us shall prosper. You know what the Holy Ghost said back to me? He said, you still got to believe it. Whoa! I'm like, whoa! Okay, that's true. So I wanted to share that with you. You know, we can confess it all day long. You can speak it and not believe it. So you still got to believe that. 
No weapon formed against us shall prosper. Believe it. Now, maybe there's some in this place right now. You're on the outside looking in. You've never made Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life. Listen, if you can hear the sound of my voice, if you got breath in your lungs, it's not too late. But the moment you take your last breath on this earth, it's done. Game over. Are you following me? Game over. If you've never made Jesus Lord of your life and you want to have a new birthday today, you want to know that when you take your last breath, that you will be with God for eternity. I want you to meet me over here and I want to pray with you after the service to make Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life. Now, maybe you're the one who, you know, you made Jesus Lord of your life a long time ago. Maybe you said a sinner's prayer a long time ago and you're the one, you know, I was talking about not having a heart change. Yeah, you said a sinner's prayer, but wow, nothing really changed in my life, (laughs) right? Meet me in that corner. Let's get you either saved or rededicated to the Lord. Let's get you back in the love of God. Amen? Let's get you back in track, in the right track here for your life. Now, maybe there's someone in here, you've never received the Holy Spirit baptism. It's, It's not a living water chapel thing. It is a Bible thing. Amen? Uh, Jesus said, you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit come upon you. And that is a second experience after becoming born again. If you never received baptism, I want you to meet me over in this corner. Now, I know I, usually I say, well, if anybody needs a physical healing, emotional healing, I know we did a lot of that today, but you know what? There's still an anointing flowing up here. So if you need prayer for healing, emotional healing, or anything like that, meet me in that corner. Marianne and I, we just want to pray with you guys. But uh, other than that, visitors, thank you so much for coming today. I hope you all enjoyed it. Amen? Amen. Kept you on the edge of your seat. Glory. What a great service today. Man, the presence of God was strong. So Tuesday night, the prayer call. Join us, 7 o'clock. Uh, Wednesday, prayer, 7 to 8 here. If you need me, take a card. Give me a call. You know, I'm always here for you guys. I love you all. And we will see you next time. Get prayed up, ready to go. Let's do it again. Have a great week, everyone.